Good morning. morning. Merry Christmas to you. How many of you are feeling frazzled and razzle-dazzled? At least we have three honest people in the room. Okay. Well, we're glad you're here today. Um, Two things I wanted to mention. One is if you're visiting with us and uh, you have any questions or whatever, there's a little card in each of the chairs. You can pull one out, fill in your information. We'd be glad to answer questions for you. We'd be glad to give you a call if you'd like. We're not going to harass anybody, but uh, we'd just love to know that you were here visiting with us today. And uh, I wanted to mention, too, that as I get toward the end of this uh, time in the Word, that sometimes... I lose track of what I'm doing. Uh, My local folks here know that I have a little ADD. So if I forget to say, um, if you have questions about why we worship this person that we're celebrating most of the world once a year, maybe twice a year, for real believers, it's all year round, really. You know, the, the Christ of Bethlehem is the Christ of Calvary. We celebrate all that reality all year round. Every Sunday, that same Jesus and every day of the week is Lord in my life. If you want answers to some of that, I'd be glad to speak with you after service. I'll be hanging out. And also, if you, you're curious and want to uh, maybe do some thinking on your own, I have a gift that I'd be happy to give you uh, if you're searching the Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel, worth looking through, and it'd be yours for the taking, all right? All you have to do is ask. So, you guys ready? Two things. Derek ruined everything for me last week. <laughs> One of our pastor's names is Derek. If you weren't here, you wouldn't know, but he's sitting right here. And, of course, he preaches with a British accent because he's British, so that always sounds more spiritual than me. So, But I noticed that he has been taking lessons. So uh, I've been quoted several times during his sermon. But he said, what else could you say that hasn't already been said, right? And it is a struggle. And then my brother Ben gets up there and stole all my thunder. So why don't you come and say amen? We'll all go home. <laughs> Just, te- just teasing, although it was an appropriate, uh, appropriate thought. So I thought today, if we could, let's have just a little fun together. I think it's Christmas. It's appropriate that we have a little fun. Everybody okay with that? And um, I thought about Christmas questions. I, w- I wanted to, um, I almost made it, do you know what I know? You know the song, do you know what I know? But I thought, doesn't that sound cocky? You know, do you know what I know? You know, that's what it sounds like. Now, the song doesn't sound that way, but if I made that my title, it might be misread, you know, because anyway, some people want to misread it. But anyhow, Christmas questions. Let's, um, let's enter into a little intellectual uh, uh, territory, if we might. Three categories of questions. I'm going to take us through. This is a um, pass-fail test today. Okay, and if you fail, uh, yeah, you have to stay after school, something like that, right? No, you can't. There's no passing and failing. This is just for the fun of it to learn. Um, you can go online. Don't trust everything you find online, by the way. Even Christmas questions I found online on icebreaker ideas, and it was like, some of this is wrong. <laughs> And then there was a, a fine lady writer, uh, Carol Avery, who I stole some of her questions to, and even there I had to tweak a couple of them because they weren't accurate. 
But uh, we'll have some fun with three categories. General holiday questions, religious questions, biblical questions, right? Those are all different, are they not? General holiday questions, that can be anything. I can get away with anything, almost, and uh, asking those. Religious questions, this is a very religious season, right? And biblical questions. So let's begin, shall we? Holiday questions, here we go. Thumbs up. There it is. No music, please, this is not Jeopardy. You guys miss out on what happens up front. You people sitting in the back, you're missing half the service. Which country was the first to use the tradition of Christmas trees? Are you sure? Now you're not sure, huh? I love that. It is Germany. You win. Santa Claus is known by different names in different countries. Pick out the imposter. Oh, listen. Klaus Kristen. The answer is Klaus Kristen. Père Noël, where's that? France, thank you. That's French. In fact, that was some of the questions. Just said, well, what's his name in France? Père Noël, Father Christmas, right? Klaus Kristen isn't even a name. <laughs> Just sounds cool. If you try to look it up, you might find Klaus Kirsten. And there's multiples of those, including a scientist and a few other people. But anyway, that's the fraud, okay? That's the impostore. Which country's Christmas tradition has a witch dropping? A witch! She's a witch! Anyway, a witch dropping gifts down the chimney. How did you know that? You're amazing. I didn't even know that. I learned that just because I was preparing for a sermon. I had to learn something. hate when that happens. Anyway... Oh, that's how you cheated. All right. Which is the most popular Christmas tree topper? Minions take the field. No, no, no. no. I made that one up. I added that. That's what I would have thought. I was wrong. It's the angel. The angel is the most popular. Oh, everybody applaud for angels. We'll get to angels, and if you've got to wait for the biblical questions, here we go. Let's do some, uh, oh, this is a great one. Two of Santa's reindeer are named after a weather phenomenon. Name them both. Comet? That's astro- astronomy. We're fighting. Who said, who, who, where's it? What, are you a German? Are you a German? Donna and Blitzen, thunder and lightning. Ooh, see, aren't you glad they came today? Let me close in prayer. <laughs> no, listen, I thought about this on the quiz. This kind of, this provoked a great, great, uh, humorous joke. Pick your favorite worst preacher, somebody you don't like as a preacher. Not me. I, I, you can't count me today. All right, all right, go ahead. Anyway, there's a there's a a little joke. It reminds me of this one. It says, "Name them both," you know, and you got to pull it up out of. There's no multiple choice. You got to pull it up. So, Billy Graham passes away, goes into the presence of Saint Peter at the gates, and says, "How do I get in?" He says, "Oh, you know, you've done a really good job." Now, by the way, this is not the gospel. You, you all with me? This is a joke. 
You don't get in because you can answer. There's only one question you have to answer to get into the gates of heaven. Everybody with me on that? What have you personally done with Jesus? Is he your savior? Is, have you trusted him? That's the only true question. Just wanted to clarify because I can just imagine people leaving here. Did you hear what that guy said today? <laughs> so Billy Graham is talking to Peter and he says, but you know what? Just one last little entrance thing. Why don't you uh, tell me? You know, you've heard of the, the, uh, the, the 12... Uh, tribes of Israel. Can you name three of them? So he think. Look at everybody's thinking. I see the wheels going around. Okay. So Levi, Joseph, Judah. There's three. Good job. Come on in. Norman Vincent Peale dies. He stands in front of the Lord, right? Or in front of uh, Peter. Says, uh, "Really done some really positive thinking out there. It was very good." And uh, you have to be old to get that one. And um, but uh, just one last question. You know, Jesus had 12 disciples. Can you name three of them? Matthew, Mark. Not Luke. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Bartholomew. Going to keep going. All right, he gives them three. because a good job. Come on in. Then the preacher that you hate the most, he dies. He stands in front of Peter. Peter says, hey, you've been doing quite a job preaching up a storm down there. And uh, But I have just a question for the final entrance. And he says, uh, okay, what's the question? You know the feeding of the 5,000? Name them. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Donner and Blitzen. All right. Religious questions. The composer of Silent Night was Dave Matthews. Look, two Bible names right there. David Matthew. Joseph Haydn? See, the question originally, I had to fix it. It said the writer of, of Silent Night. Uh, the, it's the composer. It's the music of... You can look it up in your book right in, in the seat in front of you. Franz Gruber. Yeah. Very good. Who is the patron saint celebrated on the 26th of December? How'd you get so smart? Sitting next to you guys, huh? Oh. Anybody know? She's right. It's Saint Stephen, named after the first martyr in the New Testament, if you think that he's the first martyr, which he is. I heard a great conservative Baptist preacher say the first martyrs of the Christian church were the infants that were slaughtered by Herod. Never thought of it that way, did we? But pretty interesting. First attempt to stamp out the gospel, trying to get Jesus dead prematurely, Herod. Anyway, the patron saint is Stephen, one of the first deacons preaching the gospel, being stoned to death, forgiving his enemies as he's dying. Uh, Name my son after that very Stephen. And so uh, that is, and by the way, if you like Christmas music, you might have figured it out even if you didn't know. Good King Wenceslas first looked out on the... While the snow lay round about and presents were under the tree. No, that isn't it. So that's the patron saint. And the church celebrates his feast during that time. St. Nicholas is how many years old? Ooh. St. Nicholas. You mean there's a real person? Yeah, we're going to get there. 
Going one's going, who wants to take a guess? 1700. Come on down and get your prize. I have a little presents up here. I'll give it to you. Whoever got it right. 1700. Yes, he lived around 300. So that's how old he would be if he was still alive, which he is still alive, by the way. So are all the saints that have gone to be with Jesus, right? Here we go. One more. You've got a couple of questions on this character. Which country does St. Nicholas belong to? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who's cheating? Were you cheating? Were you looking? Oh, you're not looking. Good. Did everybody hear what she said? Good. Who, where, which country? Turkey. All the early church, remember Paul planted in what is called if you say it my old way in New York City, Asia Minor, which is really Asia Minor, that's Turkey. That's where he was from. Okay, so he's Greek, right? That back then. Here we go. Turkey, Greek, Greek uh, national uh, uh, influence, Greek and Roman. The Christmas story is found in what chapter? Now I'm shifting into biblical. I put this out of order. Where is the Christmas story found? We're going to read today Luke 2, so that was a giveaway just by looking at the bulletin. John 3. Which one? Anybody? You say you're sure. You're right. It's Matthew 2. If I put John 1 up there, you could have argued and won. Right? Because John, in the beginning was the Word, the Word became flesh. That is a Christmas text, right? Biblical questions. After leaving Bethlehem, the Holy Family went to which country? Too easy. Shouldn't have given that to you. All right. Egypt. The wise men brought all but which gift? Are you sure about that? This guy's been in the Bible more than a year, I'll bet you. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If they brought jewels, we don't know about it. Unless it was a, you know, CD jewel, but that, I don't think so. Probably not. Where did the wise men come from? How did you guys get so smart, man? I thought, I thought we'd, we would stump. That's what I'm afraid of, yeah. All right. Persia, right? Babylon was gone. China doesn't, didn't count it at, at that point in terms of the local east. And uh, Egypt, nope. How many wise men were there? Sure wasn't 100. I saw that number, 144,000, sound, <laughs> sounds right to me. Huh? <laughs> Down the street there. <laughs> three, 12, unknown, and probably not three. Probably not. Why do we think there's three? Where did that come from? Three gifts. That's right. Okay. All right. I think I have one more of these. Ah, this is fun. The Christmas angel sent to Mary was? He's a ninja turtle. He's not a ninja. It is Gabriel. Which other one is biblical? 
Where did the other two come from? Ninja Turtle. Not Uriel. He's not a Ninja Turtle. From what? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear it. I'm sure that's where it came from, yes. No, uh, they are actually um, apocryphal angels described in the off books that that uh, evangelical orthodoxy doesn't affirm as part of the Bible, but that's where those names come from. So they are probably strong Jewish tradition of those angels, right? The other two are uh, biblical angels, Michael the... Uh, the prince of the Israelites, their overseer. You read about him in Daniel, I believe. And then Gabriel comes on the scene, right? Archangels, angels that stand at the, in the presence of God. All right. Well, enough of that. Oh, I can't do that all morning. Was that fun? Okay, off you go. No, I'm kidding. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, help us to appreciate the glorious gospel that we celebrate. Uh, this, this day, yeah, our culture has made it special. Church tradition has made it special. But Lord, your gospel is special constantly. And Jesus, you're to be worshipped constantly. And so we bless you and worship you and ask for you to illumine our minds. And maybe today just a few things will settle into our spirits that might edify us or draw us into relationship stronger or for the first time with you. Well, thank you for helping us. In the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. amen. So we have all these traditions and they're nice and fun, but um, really uh, what is really closer to the truth is uh, what we want to talk about just briefly because, as Derek mentioned last week, how do you restate it? It's hard to come up with something. From a preacher's standpoint, I'm just telling you, uh, Brother Ben was expressing how this, this season is, is ragged edge for him, you know, and he's not the only one. I'll be talking about that in just a minute. I think Christmas can be really rotten for some of us, right? because uh, of the season, the pressure of the season, but it's not because of the meaning behind it, which is still a good thing. So some of the great theologians in the comic strips are in Peanuts. Peanuts. Anybody know Peanuts? And um, actually, uh, Schultz was a believer, a Lutheran background, if you didn't know that. And uh, Linus is kind of the amateur theologian in, in Peanuts. So Lucy and Linus, Linus goes to go to see Santa. So says Santa here today, and Lucy and her brother are leaving from seeing Santa. And she says, well, did you tell Santa Claus what you want for Christmas? Sure, he said. I also wished him a very happy Hanukkah. We didn't have much time, but we discussed Judas Maccabeus and the cleansing of the temple. For those of you who don't know, that's the true story of Hanukkah and the miraculous continuously burning oil for eight days that shouldn't have lasted, you know, when they took back the temple from uh, the enemy, Antiochus Epiphanes' men. Anyway, we discussed Judas Maccabeus and the cleansing of the temple. And then as they're walking home, Linus says, it's not often that you find a Santa Claus who's interested in religion. 
There's a statement, right? It's not often that you find a Santa Claus that's interested in religion, unless it's the true Santa Claus. I want to go back to St. Nick for just a minute. St. Nicholas, right? Uh, years ago, I found this um, article. It might have been Christian History Magazine. I don't know. It's so old now, I, I don't even remember, but it gave a little description. It was um, a story. I'm going to read the opening story about St. Nick. It was written by Metaphrastes. Everybody knows him, right? He wrote this about 912, so it was embellished a little bit. His name was Simeon Metaphrastes, and what it means is the compiler. And he was like the predecessor to Fox's Book of Martyrs. Ever heard of Fox's Books of Martyrs telling the stories of the saints? So Simeon Metaphrastes is a compiler of all the stories of the early saints. And so St. Nicholas is one of them. And here's how the story begins. Father, wake up. There's a man climbing the lattice outside our window. The weary father shook off sleep. He stumbled half awake to his daughter's bedroom and peeked out the window. Someone was stealthily climbing down the lattice. I mean, that would get your attention even in the very calm town of Montgomery where I live. You know, who's on the lattice? If they were on our lattice, they'd be dead. Anyway, <laughs> now what? As if I didn't have enough troubles already, said the father. I'll fix this rascal. He picked up a hefty length of firewood from beside the hearth and crept outside. Troubled father had spent the restless night. When he lay down, his mind kept skipping from problem to problem. Three marriageable daughters and no dowry to offer for even one prospective groom. Now, by the way, back those days, this was bad news. Listen to how bad. Poverty had sapped his resources, and he decided to sell the girls to a local house of prostitution. That appeared to be the only way out. But he was dissatisfied with his decision, and sleep eluded him. And now this. As he opened the door, he heard a thud. The intruder had thrown something into the girl's room and was now scurrying down the lattice. The angry father pursued the intruder. Soon they both collapsed, panting against a rock wall. The father, too exhausted to lift his club, saw that the intruder was only a breathless adolescent boy. <clears throat> the eldest daughter came running up. Look, father, she exclaimed, look what he threw in our window. She held out a leather bag stuffed with gold coins. What is the meaning of this, demanded the father. His captive explained that he was a Christian whose parents had died recently, leaving him an inheritance. Very wealthy parents, as a matter of fact. The Lord said, the young man explained, that we should sell what we have and give to the poor and then follow him. I want to follow Jesus, so when I learned of your problem and what you plan to do, what else could I do? If a man has anything of this world's goods and sees his brother in need and hardens his heart against his brother and does not give, then how can the love of God abide in such a man? The puzzled father, still suspecting a trick, asked, why did you sneak up to our house all at, at night, right? What are you really up to? What's your name? My name is Nicholas. I came secretly because Jesus commanded that when you give to the poor, you shouldn't let your left hand know what your right hand does. You keep your giving secret. Keep the money, sir, but I beg one favor in return. Don't let anyone know about this. Keep it a secret, he promised, and for years he never told the story. But it eventually got out. 
And Metaphrastes writes this story in about 912, so I'm sure it's embellished just a bit. But there's the root. You can imagine. Instead of climbing up a lattice, now it's chimneys or witches. Uh, but anyway, something like that. Nicholas was born in the 3rd century in Patras, a city in Asia Minor. Wealthy parents, devout Christians, when they died, he used his inheritance to help the poor, entered the monastery of Holy Sion near the city of Myra to get an education, later became a bishop in the church, and uh, also was part of the Council of Nicaea to defend the gospel against the Arian heresy, which today we know as our friends down the street, as you were saying earlier, right? The denial that Jesus is actually God and man together. February 23rd, A.D., 303, the Emperor Diocletian, by the way, it's not this guy, is it? It's this guy. That's one of the early church icons, which launched one of the most systematic and prolonged persecutions the Christian church had ever endured. There was persecution earlier, the days of Nero. The last big fling is under Diocletian in 303 before Constantine becomes emperor and then he stops the persecution of the Christian church. But at this point, it was brutal and St. Nicholas endured intensive persecution, personal torture, incarceration, beatings, brandings, pliers. I, I won't go into all the details. It was pretty rough. And he stood by his master, Jesus, who saved him and later was defending the faith at the Council of Nicaea. Nicholas spent the rest of his life after he finished being a bishop, uh, caring for the sick, founding orphanages, protecting the poor from exploitation, and defending the legal rights of Jews. Isn't that interesting? From which Christianity is birthed. And yet, many, many professing Christians over the years have had that upside down for sure. And uh, because of resistance to the gospel, and not without reason, they have allowed persecution against uh, their, their Jewish friends. He was noted for playing with children. This guy, I like this guy already just for this. Not only did he give money to those people, which is an awesome story, and I think that was just the beginning of the legend, if you will, but listen to this. He was noted for playing with children and scandalized his more dignified contemporaries by letting street urchins wear his bishop's hat. You want to try this on, Tommy? Yeah, he runs down the street. <gasps> Terrible, shameful. Tisk tisk. He died in A.D. 343 and was later hailed as a saint. I got news for you. He was already a saint by new birth and transformation. And by the way, uh, they found his relics. You know, they know of him and his skull. And now we don't have to wonder about uh, icons like this. There's been a couple of forensic reconstructions of his face and head. One of the earlier forensic reconstructions I don't think is as accurate as the one that looks more like this, but here, let me show you what the first one looks like. Ooh. Nice beard. Nice way. I like that. Anyway, that's him. Why was he like that? Very simple. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. Simple. That's what changed his life. He wanted to follow him, and it made all the difference for him. Well, if you're a note taker now, you've got, if you, if you wanted to write down any of the answers to your quiz, I hope you did. I left you a little space for that. Then I told you who St. Nicholas is, what could be more appropriate. 
except for talking about Jesus. That's a little more appropriate on Christmas, would you not say? But as I mentioned earlier, for some of us, it's not always a fun time. Years ago in another assembly I was pastoring in, uh, a a group of uh, drama folks put together a play for Christmas called I Hate Christmas. Doesn't that sound like a great Sunday type of worship experience? I hate Christmas. And it just unpacked all the things that happen and make it sometimes a very unhappy time. Uh, We have four married children out of five. One of my uh, in-law then families just lost a parent on each side of the family moving right up into the holiday season. That period of time will not be the same ever again for them. My daughter and my wife were talking around the table last night, and uh, there's a brother named uh, Pastor Scott. He's connected to our family indirectly, having had some discipleship influence on my son-in-law. And he did a little blog and said, what are the things you miss, mislike, dislike the most about Christmas? And the answers started flowing in, and they were sitting at our table getting choked up because one of the biggest, biggest feelings is, loneliness and being isolated, especially after the loss of those that we love, right? It's not always a fun time. And I have more of that kind of thing that uh, certain dates just come up. My wife is like a steel trap when it comes to all the dates, and she has all the records. This is what happened then. This is what happened then. I'll give you a hint. The way she does that is in her devotional, Oswald Chambers, she writes in the margin all the events that are going on at that time in our life. And then we look back and go, holy mackerel. Isn't it cool that God did that for us? Wasn't that a terrible time? Aren't we glad that we're still alive? But it's not always fun. There are emotional struggles. There's loss. There's connections. There's jealousies. There's feeling neglected. All kinds of issues that come about. And then there are just people who are cranky about it. They're just, they're just cranky. Um, my brother Ben mentioned, and I, I preached a sermon on this a while back. I actually stole it from John Eldred, who wrote the books uh, Wild at Heart and all of that for men, that the invasion of Jesus into the world was a declaration of war. So it shouldn't be surprising that it agitates the troops, if you will, the troops against God and inspirational for those who are for God. But there is a a dimension of it that exposes crankiness. And then when mankind becomes self-serving and full of commercialism and what have you, just gives more ammunition to those kind of people. So I have a a little clip by way of reminder of how some people are just plain cranky about Christmas. I always repent of being like this guy. Make sure it's tuned up loud, thanks. Merry Christmas, Bob Cratchit. And the same to you, Mr. Fred. Merry Christmas, Uncle. I said, Merry Christmas, Uncle. (laughs) (laughs) Humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle. Surely you don't mean that. I do. What's Christmas? But a time for buying things for which you have no need, no money. <laughs> time for finding yourself a year older, not an hour richer. 
<laughs> if I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips <laughs> should be boiled in his own pudding <laughs> and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. <laughs> Come now, Uncle. Neville, you keep Christmas in your way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good it may do you. Much good it has done you. There are a great many things from which I might have derived good, from which I have not profited, I dare say. You all want to watch the rest, don't you? No, it's off. <laughs> See how merry he was? He, he had a lot of laughter there, didn't he? Nice curmudgeon. Here's the sad part. He was right about some of that. But he's not right completely, is he? He's missing something. The other day I was out interacting with somebody. I, I don't even want to say the context lest anybody ever figure anything out, but I just had an interchange with a stranger and we were having a pleasant conversation and I decided, well, I'm going to take the risk. I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Oh, I never knew that was such a dangerous thing. And I made the further mistake of saying, you know, I just want to share that Jesus is the reason for the season. Bam! We were off on political agenda. They want to tie Jesus into nuking Iran. I know, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't quite that bad, but it was close. And it went on and on and on and on until I finally had to go, well, I got to go. <clears throat> but I did get a picture of him on his way to his neighbor's house. There he is. And anyway, <laughs> that's just a joke, but it was a true story. I was like, whoa, who would have thought that just wishing you the blessing of God would create such a reaction because it's not fun for everybody. Whether it's commercialism, grief, chaos, pressure, whatever it is, if we do anything else, if we do nothing else today, just take a couple of minutes to look at the non-reducible crux the real meaning of why we celebrate it. I hope for us as Christians. Yeah, you can have all the other fun, but I said to Ben this morning, all of this stuff could go away. All of it. Take all of that stuff. Take those banners down, get the trees out. All of that could go away. It would make no difference to the real meaning of Christmas. It's all additional stuff. Allow us to state the forgotten obvious. In fact, I'm going to let that great theologian, Linus, state the forgotten obvious. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. <laughs> And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Amen. Yeah. That is a classic. And I can't listen to that part and not get choked up. I just can't. It's amazing. That's what it's all about, Charlie Brown. A savior. And here's what the scripture tells us. Let's emphasize the main part. The angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David has been born for you a savior. And we know who he is. Christ Jesus the Lord. Good news for all the people, a Savior. We all need one. You need one. It's a life and death issue. We need a Savior for this life, for the next life, for living through this life, for walking in the victory that he had in mind. We need a Savior. I hope you know him today. I hope he's your Savior, that that rings true for you. I'm going to ask you to indulge me. If you don't have a Bible with you, take one of the books out of the, uh, not the hymn book, that won't work, but one of the Bibles. If you have your own Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2, because I want to just look at a little bit further down in the text, if I may, and if you would follow along with me. And that's the section that's in your bulletin, if you're a note taker, that we're going to fill in at the bottom, okay? Luke chapter 2. It's right after the announcement to the angels. We don't know that eight days go by. Well, we do know because it's revealed in verse 21. This is page 1021, 1021. If you're having trouble finding your way around the Bible, that makes it easy, right? 1021. On the right-hand column, you'll see at the top, verse 25. And here's what it says. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Do you catch what he's saying there? The Holy Spirit told him, the time is near. Did did you catch in some of the songs that we sang, the hopes and fears of all the years, the longings of all the nations, of all the world... Do you realize we don't always get what that's saying? Man is longing for peace everywhere, in the heart, in the community, whatever it might happen to be, and ultimately peace with God. What we do is we get it upside down. If we can get peace in my family and in the community, that'll solve it. you got to start with God, and then it works its way out. This is what we're all longing for ever since mankind broke it up. And we've been uh, in a busted world ever since. So he had been told, the answer's coming and you're going to see it in your lifetime. And so he knew that was going to happen. And he came in the spirit into the temple, verse 27. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, little offering, uh, circumcision for a Jewish boy, all of that, the eighth day, yep, medically sound timing, by the way. God does nothing by accident. It says, to carry out for him the custom of the law, he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, now, Lord, 
You are releasing your servant, your bondservant, to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And get this last two lines, 34 and 35. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. It's an act of war. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be things about Christmas we're not going to like. Hello? And a sword will even pierce your own soul, Mary, to the end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus is the divider of mankind. There's no in-betweens. You're either for me or you're against me. Well, how do you know? Well, come and find out if you don't know. You're either for me or against me. Here's what we find here. We need a savior. Simeon has a revelation that the Savior is going to be born during his lifetime before he goes to meet his maker. And he says two things about this passage. One, salvation is from the Jews, the glory of your people, Israel. They had the privilege of having the laws of God to share with the world. They sometimes miss their purpose. But it's all throughout the Old Testament. It's not a New Testament idea. People who say that do not understand the Bible. They go, oh, the Old Testament's one way, the New Testament. No, 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 no. Same thing, old through new. We were called to be a light to the nations over and over again. A, a revelation to the nations. But first, it's the privilege of it to come through David's household from the Jewish line, God's choice, that channel doesn't mean others aren't welcome in the heaven. It meant that was his choice for kingdom purpose. And so the Son of God comes through the Jews. Salvation, like Jesus said, is from the, from the Jews. But it is for all of us, all the Gentiles. In fact, the larger part of history, it has been Gentiles who have embraced the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus. So a revelation for everyone is the last fill-in. A revelation, I could have put the word redemption for everyone because that's what it is. The light of redemption, the lights coming on for us to recognize we were alienated from God. Our sins have caused us a problem. Half the time we don't even know what our sins are. Ask an average person to define it today. They'll have a hard time. But when the light of revelation strikes us, all of a sudden I see it. Stuff that didn't matter. Oh, that's no big deal. No, that was a big deal. And there's forgiveness and redemption through this child, Jesus, who came for the purpose of dying for our sins and making us an avenue for reconciliation with the Father in heaven. No, it is not all good. <laughs> it's not all well during this time with everything, but enough is well. Enough is good. He is enough. All by himself, he is enough. And let me help you catch the, the gist of Simeon's statement. I love this character. I just love him. He says in verse 29, Now, Lord, your servant can depart in peace. This is so profound that Jesus has come into the world. I'm ready to die. That's what he said. 
You've been letting me hang on to see this with my very own eyes. There's something amazing for those saints privileged to see things that are described in the Bible actually happen in the world. Because too many people, it's just like a story. But when you've seen a deliverance of a demonic bondage, or you've seen a healing, or you've seen revival strike a church, or whatever it might happen to be, unregenerate, hard-nosed, really difficult, criminal type, radically turned around, all the lights on, some of them become preachers. What a terrible thing. There's something about that. It's the witness of the living God in this world. These are not make-believe stories. They're true. And so he says, what you told me is true. I see it. I'm ready to die. It doesn't get any better than that. I've got everything I need. Jesus, he's enough. Everything I need. As the song we heard this morning, Emmanuel, and there's several versions of that concept of Emmanuel. He's with us. God with us. That's all you need. Is life hard? Are there difficulties? Is there lonely? Yes, yes, yes. Is there still enough good? Absolutely. He's good and he's enough. Do you know him? Is he yours? Are you there? That changes everything. It prepares me for everything. And he's mine. He can be yours. Do you know that today? I'm going to ask you to stand as we close in prayer. Wish you a Merry Christmas. If you're wondering about who this Jesus is or even just curious, want to search into it, I invite you to come chat with me. I have a gift for you. And I think on the way out, there is a gift for one for every family, just one per family, or we won't have enough little devotional book we want to share with you. Anyone who's a guest, welcome to take one per family as you leave. Let's pray together. Feel free to talk to me if you need to. We worship you, Lord, and thank you that Jesus is enough, that we can know that we have him when we've put our trust in him, and the Spirit illumines our minds, a light of revelation to us Gentiles. We're not all Gentiles here today, but many of us are. And, Lord, we thank you that he is the light of revelation, the privilege of the Jewish people to bring him into the world. We serve a a living Savior, the Messiah, the King of Israel. And he is a light of revelation. And we thank you that when he enters into our life, we see that reality. And we realize what it is we need to repent of and how to follow him. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you don't leave us in the dark. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you love us even if we haven't signed up for you yet. That's why Jesus came. Nobody had been signing up. We have a few characters like Simeon. But Lord, your people and those who were not yet your people needed to come to know this glorious Savior, who, by the way, his kingdom has swept the four corners of the globe. People bow their knee to Jesus this day all around the world because he is the true and living Savior. We're thankful today. Put your favor on your people, Lord. Keep us safe, we ask, in our revelings. Remind us once in a while, you're the reason. We're grateful. He's enough. He's enough. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Christmas. If you're free tonight, come back for our candlelight. It won't be two hours. It's 45 minutes max.